we, we've been talking about our excuses, and, and the list of excuses is long as to why people don't get involved in connect groups. Uh, some of you say, well, there's not one near me. I mean, Kyle and Donna drive from Rocky Mount to get to connect group, and they've been to every connect group, I think, that we offer here at Quest. Um, and so just because they were intentional about getting to know people in the church. You know, you heard Abby and Riley talk about the, the concern of not knowing people, and you heard Riley talk about, you know, well, he really wanted to do the ultimate Frisbee thing, but, man, that, that was on Wednesday night. Connect group was on Wednesday night. He had a choice to make. And so, like, I really want to do this thing, and my kids are involved in this thing, and this is more important. Well, is it? You know, I mean, you heard really talk about the impact of being a part of a family of faith. And you heard Abigail talk about, like, the concern of meeting new people. And some of you guys are, are like me. You're an introvert, and going into new situations is difficult. You don't really like that. You're not comfortable with that. Um, just know that the people in our connect groups are going to be excited that you're there. Uh, we're going to do everything we can to make you feel comfortable to make you feel at home, to make you feel like you belong. And so I just encourage you, um, whatever the excuse is, to set that aside and recognize the value of connect groups in your life. Um, the importance of what connect groups is and what connect groups can do for you in your spiritual journey, but also in just every aspect of your life and building community as a church together. We're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians today, and I want you to think about this point, this main point, is that growing together in our faith empowers the mission of the church. When we talk about the mission of our church, we believe very strongly that that comes straight out of Scripture. You know, some of the last words that Jesus gave uh, his followers of Jesus was that we were to go and to make disciples. Uh, and then he said in Acts 1-8 that you would be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So, like, the mandate from Jesus, the challenge from Jesus is very clear. We are to grow and to go reach other people. And so I think when we look at this passage today, we'll identify very clearly the relationship of the discipleship of the church to that missional mandate for us to be an outward-focused, looking uh, organization towards other people who are lost and who are broken to bring them in and disciple them. And the reality is that if I'm challenging you to do something and I'm not equipping you to do it, then I'm failing you in that. In other words, if I say to you, Go into the kitchen and make me a, a delicious chocolate cake. And I don't give you a recipe and I don't give you an ingredients. Then you're probably going to fail. And if you succeed in that, then you're a superstar. Um, and that's amazing. But it's very rare that somebody is going to be able to succeed in something if they're not equipped with, with training, with supplies, with equipment, with what they need to do the job. And so the thing that we want to do here is to pay attention to what is the scriptural system, what is the biblical system for how the church is to function in this thing that we call discipleship. How does it work, and what is the relationship that we see to uh, the mission of the church? When we think about the idea of giving excuses for not getting involved, an excuse basically, now sometimes we, we legitimately have a reason why we can't do something, but oftentimes we're giving excuses because we just don't want to. An excuse basically says that I value this other thing over what you're offering, that I have placed a greater value on something else over what you're offering, and I'm giving you an excuse instead of just literally saying, well, I value this more than that. And so I want us to think about why is discipleship, why is being in a connect group valuable? Is it valuable for me in my relationship with other people and getting to know people that, that become friends? Sure. Is it important because, like, I can learn and grow in this faith that I'm claiming, that I'm proclaiming for myself? Yes, sure. 
Is it, like, is it vitally important for, for me like, to get to know more people in my church? And it encourages and challenges me and makes my Sunday experience with my church family even greater because I know more people and I'm in a relationship with people. Yes. But see, here's the thing. At its core, discipleship, growth in your faith, empowers us to go reach more people who can then grow in their faith, who can reach more people. That ultimately is what we're about. And I know this sounds harsh and people don't like to hear this, but like we're not here for you. I mean, we are, but we're not. In other words, we're here for the people who aren't here. Now, that means that some people, some churches will say that, and then their only focus is on the lost. And everything they do is geared just towards the lost, and it's just the lost, 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 and they never spend any time discipling the believer. We at Quest believe very clearly that we are to focus on the lost. We are to build ourselves so that we're accessible to those who don't know Jesus yet, who are living apart from God. If we're not accessible to them, then we're not doing our job. If we're not, if we're not built so that we can engage a lost world, then, then we're not fulfilling the mandate that Jesus has given his church. But in order to do that, I firmly believe, as we look at this passage today from Ephesians, that we are to do that through equipping the saints. And equipping the saints means that you better be good as a church at discipling believers. You better be good at training up believers so that they know more, so that they're not just infants in the faith, only drinking milk, so that they can handle some solid food like we talked about last week. That's what we want to be doing here as a church together at Quest Fellowship. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 today. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's giving them some very clear instructions about Jesus' intention for the church. So pay attention to this. And he gave, Jesus gave, apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. First of all, key point number one is this, I think, today, is that Jesus has equipped his church. Jesus hasn't sent us in the kitchen to make a chocolate cake without giving us a recipe. He has equipped his church very clearly, uh, very explicitly. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers so that they would do the job of equipping. So Jesus has established the structure of leadership and the structure of equipping in order to allow the church to be successful in fulfilling the mandate that he's given the church. Jesus gave the church leaders and developers. In our context today, kind of in our language today, that's essentially what you look at when you see pastors and elders and connect group leaders and those kind of people in churches. We are called in today to fulfill those roles of leadership to develop the church, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The work of equipping is the work of the leaders of the church. The work of the ministry is the, is the work of the saints. In other words, the non-leaders of the church. Now, that doesn't mean that the leaders don't serve. 
that the leaders don't do ministry, but it means that primarily their time and their energy is to be focused on equipping the saints for the work of ministry. In other words, I have seen in many church contexts where the pastor basically does everything. He takes out the trash, he cleans the toilet, he preaches, he visits everybody, he does all the evangelism for the church, he does every single thing that there is to do in that church, and guess what? That church will only reach a small group of people because that guy's going to get worn out trying to do all that work. And it doesn't reflect this biblical model. The scripture is very clear that, that the pastors, the leaders of the church, the teachers of the church, the, the elders of the church, the connect group leaders, all those people were given for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And that's a model that works. It's a system that works. It's a very clear, clear system that has a clear outcome and a clear directive. Jesus has equipped us. Why? Because he's given us the mandate, the missional mandate. And if we've been given that mandate to go and to make disciples... And to be his witnesses, right? If he's given us that, then he's equipping us to do that by this system of equipping that he's designed. Quality systems and healthy systems will yield healthy organizations every single time. I, I am baffled so often when I, when I talk to other pastors and other churches and some consulting and stuff that we do. It's just I'm baffled at the, the broken, jacked up, unhealthy systems that are in a lot of our churches. And then they wonder why they're not successful or they're not growing or they're not reaching people or they're not moving forward as a church. It's simply because of the broken down systems that we've created. It just doesn't work. And all we have to do is look at Scripture. And it's so clear how we are to be structured and organized. And every time I see a church that is extremely healthy, it's, it's that they are reflecting this system that God has given us. Systems are important. I was driving down the road the other day and I saw this. Um, this is an inmate transport vehicle, and I want you to focus on something. I'm going to go in a little bit closer here. Like the security system that they have for this inmate transport system is a padlock that's screwed to the outside of this minivan door. And if you notice very closely, the window at the back is popped open. Like, I don't know about you. But when I saw this going down the road, I had to take a picture. They were freaking out probably because I was driving beside them taking pictures. I don't believe in this system. You believe in it? Like, I'm not believing in this padlock system that somebody has tacked onto the side of this minivan. Like, I want to see an armored vehicle with, like, three-inch thick steel on the outside and impervious glass to breakage, you know? I want to see armed guys in the front transporting I want to see armed people in the back sitting beside these hardened criminals. And yet what we see in this instance is a padlock on the outside and a window that's cracked open. See, this system right here doesn't work. Here's the thing. Like, if you want to be a part of this, like, they're hiring, right? Look, Adult Corrections is now hiring. All you got to have is a minivan and go buy your padlock at Lowe's and get some screws and screw that thing to the side of your car. All of a sudden, you're an inmate transport vehicle. Make some side cash. I don't know. Maybe some people work at night. Like, I, I, and look, like, this just cracked me up. I'm like, this is our tax dollars at work right here. Can't we get something a little better? Just a little. Healthy systems, man, are going to create healthy organizations. And this system of 
that, that Jesus has given this group of offices, and we could go through the details of that, that the apostles were an office that doesn't exist anymore. It was the group of people that followed Jesus, that Jesus were appointed. Those people had their time, like they were the witnesses of Jesus. They walked with Jesus. Then the apostle Paul was added because he experienced the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. So that office of apostle was established and existed kind of to, as the foundation of the church to get the church up and running off of the witnesses of those who walked with Jesus who saw Jesus in his ministry, in his life, and in resurrection. And then there's the prophets who served a time and a period to kind of push the church forward. And then there's the teachers, the equippers, the pastors, the shepherds there. Some, some, some translations will actually put pastors in that translation there uh, as shepherds. It's a word that kind of can mean shepherd or pastor. This equipping system that Jesus has given his church is vitally important. Jesus has equipped his church with very clear, um, very clear program of what we are to be and what we are to do. Key point number two is this, is that Jesus understood the dangers of false doctrine. False doctrine is deadly. I'll be honest, you know, there are people who have um, sometimes uh, left churches, moved churches, whatever, transitions, and I understand sometimes those things uh, need to happen. Um, and it breaks my heart to see a church struggling such that people leave that church. Um, and I'm always of the mindset, and I don't know, I guess I look at it a little bit differently, but like if a church is teaching false doctrine, then yeah, you don't need to be there. Uh, it's your responsibility as, as a follower of Jesus to identify false doctrine. The best way that you can do that is if you know your scripture. If you know your scripture, then the leaders and teachers of the church can't, can't fool you with false doctrine. Um, and so false doctrine is probably the foundational reason that you should leave a church. If false doctrine is being taught, is being preached, eventually that's going to come to the forefront. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make itself known. Now, there are a lot of people in our culture today, a lot of church leaders who are preaching false doctrine who have grown a big church. Well, they've, they've gathered a crowd. I don't know that they're building a church. And so... I'd, I'd much rather have a smaller congregation that's growing a healthy way, actually reaching people with a true gospel than a false gospel. False doctrine is worthless. It's fool's gold. And it is, it is, it is very clearly from the heart of the enemy of, of the church itself, from Satan's heart. Because remember, he's the father of lies. There's no truth in him. So any deception and false doctrine that's out there is connected to his mission against the church. And so when we identify false doctrine, it's time to go. But on the other hand, if, if there's just transitions and stuff going on, sometimes it's, it's staying firm within the, the church that you've committed to to help its mission be accomplished. If the mission is biblical and the doctrine is sound, you know, stick there and let's, let's go forward together. I just encourage you, I'm just going to be honest, if you're here and there's a, a church that you, you've left simply because of something changed or whatever, if the doctrine is sound, like, I encourage you to go help that church through those transitions and to be there and encourage them. If that's true, I don't know for, if that's true of anybody in the room. I don't know. I'm not speaking to anybody clearly. But if there's doctrinal issues, and, and if, you're, if you're concerned about doctrinal issues, then come and talk to me. I'll help, I'll help you look at that. But we at Quest are going to be very clear that we're going to look at Scripture, and we want to reflect what Scripture says the church should be. We're not going to negotiate it. 
We're not going to water it down. We're not going um, to change it. We're not going to alter it to where it makes us feel good. We're going to deal with it like exactly what it says because we believe in it. It's, it's, it's eternally transforming. What we do here impacts people's eternity, and we will never, ever compromise that because somebody's eternity is more important than making you feel good. Our connect groups will be diving into the Word of God. It's so rich and so vibrant and so transformative. Man, it's so exciting to gather around it. I can't wait a lot of times on Wednesday nights to gather around my connect group together and eat ice cream. I mean, dive into the Word of God. It's even better than ice cream. Jesus understood the dangers of false doctrine, man. Maturity follows learning. Do you understand that? This whole, the work of equipping the saints is so that we won't be moved around by false doctrine. And so if you'll give yourself, like we can't force you, right? If you'll give yourself to the process of learning and growing in your faith, that will lead into and feed maturity, which will allow you to be discerning when you hear doctrine that doesn't line up with the plan and the program and the processes of Scripture. Every time. I love it when people come to me and say, you know, when you said this or when, when you did this or I was thinking about this and I was reading here in, Bible, in the Bible and it said this. And what do you think about that? Or when I'm in connect group after I preach the sermon and, and we're going through, we're going over the sermon and we're kind of going through, we're diving deeper into some of the questions related to it and how it makes, how we can make it personal to our lives. And people in my connect group start pushing on stuff and, and questioning stuff and asking stuff. Man, that's so much fun to dive into the word of God together and to wrestle with what we need to wrestle with and come out. Sometimes we're limping, but we're still walking with God. Maturity is so important because maturity is going to make us a better church. Learning together makes us a better church. False doctrine weakens the true message of Jesus. We don't want to weaken anything. I'm going to give you a, a just very quick example. The song that we sang, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. There's a lot of churches that won't sing that song because they think it might be offensive to somebody who's outside the faith looking in. I love the fact that we sing that song because it's the true gospel. It is the blood of Jesus and nothing but the blood of Jesus that has covered our sins and given us hope and freedom beyond our own sins and beyond our own false uh, pursuits of our flesh. It is the blood of Jesus and only the blood of Jesus. That is the true gospel and we sing that in victory as the people of God and in hope and knowing that our eternity is secure in the truth that nothing but the blood has redeemed us and given us hope. So, like, we don't shy away from that. Like, we'll lean into that and chase after that and encourage that and sell that and push that and want people to understand, like, that's the truth. If I stand up here and I water something down to try to make you feel better about yourself, I'm doing nothing but lying to you. And we won't do that. We just simply won't do that. The last thing we want to look at this morning and key point number three is that Jesus expects the church to be built up. He expects that. 
like the whole purpose of giving all these offices to the church, these leaders to the church, and equipping the saints for the work of ministry is that the church will be built up. No, what does that mean? Some people say, well, we shouldn't seek after growth. I don't know. Jesus says, go in to make disciples. I think if you're making disciples, and he said, then teach them all that I've given you, um, and that he's going to be with us to the end of the age. If we're reaching people and we're discipling people, we are going to grow as a church. That doesn't mean we're chasing after growth. It means we're chasing after doing what Jesus told us to do. And I really believe very clearly that connect groups in and of itself is directly connected to this missional mandate for the church to reach other people and to be built up. Because connect groups allows us to be better individually in our faith and in our walk and also strengthens us cor corporately in our knowledge and in our understanding and also, more importantly, even sometimes to some extent, in our relationship with each other and our fact that we believe in each other. And we've walked with each other through the valleys of life. And we've celebrated with each other when the, through the victories of life. And I just encourage you to think about that. Like that the, the, the church was called to be built up. Like the church is designed in and of itself just like the human body to grow. The, the basic core of like what happens within the human body is from the time that we're an infant, like there's cell division and there's growth and there's expansion. In other words, Jesus uh, has clearly um, built the church to reflect the human body in and of itself that God designed our bodies to be um, entities of growth, to expand, to grow in knowledge and physical growth and understanding and everything that our bodies do, like in growing, like it's, it's reflective of what Jesus wants for his church. That there would be more, and there would be multiplication, and there would be growth, and there would be expansion, and there would be strengthening as, as we get older as a church. And we'll get stronger and stronger and stronger and built up that the church in and of itself is to reflect this body and it's designed to grow. The thing that we want to land on as we close this out is this, this understanding that love is the foundation for all that we are as a people of, of God together. If, if we can't deal with each other in love, we'll never do anything. And we'll never do anything because we're not truly reflecting the gospel. The gospel in and of itself is the greatest expression of love that humanity has ever experienced. That's what we represent to our world and to our community. And so when we gather as a connect group together, we, we learn to love each other. We learn to look at each other's faults and to say, I love you anyway, because we understand that God has looked at us and our faults and said, I love you anyway. And we began to deal with each other at a depth that we can never accomplish just gathering occasionally on a Sunday morning. We began to move beyond just the kind of, hey, how you doing relationship to, man, what did the doctor say? Let me pray with you about that. That feels different. That matters. That's what connect groups can offer you. And they can give us a strength as a body together that will change the world one life at a time one incremental growth step at a time for each of us that follows Jesus.
And we'll be able to look back from this moment forward, man, five years from now, and, and marvel at what God has done. Because we were committed as his people to get involved in connect groups like he's called us to. I'll just remind you of that URL, questfellowshipchurch.com slash connect. You've got the cards in front of you. Stop by the Next Steps desk and sign up for a connect group. We will have those sign-up sheets over the next couple weeks to give you an opportunity. Maybe you want to talk to some people. Maybe you want to put your name on a, on a couple of lists and have those connect group leaders reach out to you and ask some questions and engage about what's going on in their groups. Here's what I will tell you, just a little bit of a difference. We, we are going to be shifting to a semester system. Um, so I just encourage you, um, this, this first semester, this first session is going to go from September the 9th through December the 7th. Then we'll reset again after the first of the year in January. January the 5th, we'll begin our second. It'll be our winter session. It'll go all the way up to Easter. Then we'll take a break for a couple of weeks, and then we'll start another session that will go through June. Then we'll take a break and reset back in the fall. And so each session will be different. So it'll give you an opportunity if you want to eat. Some, some of these groups will go every single session. Some of them will take breaks. There'll be new groups sometime. So it just gives you an opportunity to kind of plug in. And, and it's not like you're signing up for life. You know, if you get in a group, man, and they got bad s'mores, and, like, you don't want to go back to that group, like, you, we'll give you an out. You can ease right out of there. Go find a group that's got good ice cream. I'm just saying. So I just encourage you, each of our groups will be doing sermon-based small groups discussions. So what that means basically is this is that we're going to have discussion questions around the previous Sunday's message that your groups are going to be going through. My group's been doing that for about a year and a half now. We love it. It's a great way in which we can take the message of Sunday to a deeper level and make it personal. It's just a great way for us to grow together as a church. So I just encourage you to find a connect group, pray about it, sign up, take action today towards God in, in learning what it means to be a part of a, truly be a part of a family of faith by getting involved at a level beyond a Sunday morning. I'm going to ask if you'll stand with me. We're going to pray together as we close out the service this morning. Father God, we, we love you. Thank you for your love and your grace towards us. We know, Father, that, that at the core we are loved by you. And even though we don't deserve it, even though most of the time we're unlovable from a, a righteous God, yet we know, Father, that your love for us overflows and overwhelms all of our sins, all of our faults. And that when you look at us as followers of Jesus, Father, you don't see us through our sin. You see us through the righteousness of Jesus that has been covered by his precious blood. So we celebrate that this morning. We highlight that this morning. And we, as we praise you and as we close out this, this message and this sermon together and this this service together. I pray, Father, that we're, we're, we're going to take commitments towards connect groups if we're not there yet, that we're going to be bold. We're going to overcome our excuses. We're going to overcome all the things that kind of are, are keeping us from, uh, from taking a step forward. We'll overcome our fears and our anxieties, and we'll make a commitment to get involved in a deep level because we understand the importance of our own personal growth, but we also understand the importance of what we're about as a church together on mission. May you be glorified in our response today. In Jesus' name, amen.